welcome to Menopause in the Kitchen, where we talk all things food and nutrition for women in their midlife years. I'm Rachel Cooper, dietitian and food lover, with a passion for sharing information about nutrition in practical ways, so that you can take what you need and implement it into your lifestyle. Join me in my kitchen as I share bite-sized chunks of information to help you nourish your body and thrive in your midlife years and beyond. Welcome to the first official episode of Menopause in the Kitchen. Um, I'm Rachel Cooper and welcome and I'm glad that you're here for this episode today. Um, We are going to be talking about gut health and we're going to talk about what gut health is and really get into the nitty gritty of uh, the science and the terminology. Um, And then I'm going to specifically talk about gut health in relation to menopause and why at our age in, you know, the midlife years, um, gut health might be something that we might like to focus on and something that might be um, quite interesting. It's certainly an area that I'm really interested in. I've um, I've just always been fascinated by this uh, this topic, and it's been really nice to deep dive into how it relates to women in menopause. So um, that's what today's topics all going to be about. We're going to first talk about. Um, what gut health is and a bit about the terminology and then I'm going to get into the benefits um, of improving our gut health and specifically then looking at um, hormones and menopause. And then finally I'll talk about some tips and practical ideas that you can think about implementing that may help to improve your gut health. So let's dive in and talk about what what do they mean by gut health? We're certainly seeing this in a lot of places in the media, in social media, lots of people are talking about it. And I, I, I sort of wonder whether everyone really understands what we mean by that term. And that's where I'm going to start today. When we're talking about gut health, we're talking about the microorganisms that live in the gut. And we're not just talking about bacteria. Often when we think about bacteria um, or microorganisms in our gut, and particularly our large intestine, um, we often think about bacteria, good and bad bacteria and things like that. In fact, there's a lot of microorganisms that live in our gut, not just bacteria. And also the concept of talking about good and bad bacteria is not really, um, it's not really helpful because we have a variety of different types of bacteria that live in our gut. And some some are, um, you know, have benefits to us and others may not. But it's really about the balance. That's what's most important. So we never really have a situation where we have all of the beneficial um, microorganisms in our gut and none of the, I guess, the ones that can do harm or cause cause illness. We've always got a bit of both. That's, um, That's the reality. 
But it's when we get an imbalance that we start to see um, issues happening for um, for our health. So really we're, we're looking at a balance of um, these microorganisms and particular with, you know, bacteria and so on in, in our gut. So let's talk about t- terminology first, because as I go through this episode, I'll be using certain terms and I want to just explain now what I mean by those so that you have an understanding when I'm using them throughout the rest of this episode. So microorganisms is something I've already um, mentioned, and it's basically all the tiny little organisms that we can't see with the naked eye. We need a, you know, a, a microscope of some sort to see them. And it includes bacteria, but it also includes things like viruses and fungi. So there are, it's not just bacteria when we talk about um, what's going on in our gut with the microorganisms. Then we have what we call the microbiota. The microbiota is all of the microorganisms that live together in a specific space. So if we talk about our gut and we talk about our gut microbiota, it's basically a term that describes all of those different microorganisms that live in that particular area. And then we have our microbiome. And the microbiome describes the whole environment. So it includes all of those little microorganisms, the microbiota, but it also includes the things that they produce. And we're going to talk a little bit more about this later in the episode. But we know that the microbiota can produce um, things like vitamins and chemicals and even hormones, um, which I guess are a type of chemical. Um, so the, when we talk about the microbiome, we're talking about that whole environment, the organisms plus the um, products that they produce. So that's just a little bit about the terminology. And as we go through, I will probably use the word gut health because that's something that um, people are very familiar with. But I'll often talk about the microbiota or the gut microbiota. So really talking about those organisms that we're looking at um, focusing on in terms of, you know, what we're eating and what we're doing. So that's a bit about the terminology. The next thing that I think is really important to think about is if we're looking after these microbiota or these little organisms, how do we do that? Um, we know that we what we eat can affect that. And how exactly do we feed these microorganisms with what we eat? Well, basically, it all comes down to plants, plant foods. So plants um, are high in fibre and they also have things like phytochemicals. And this is what our microbiota feed on. So let's let's take that down another notch and look at what fiber actually is. Fiber is the part of plants that we eat that our bodies can't digest. So we don't have the enzymes to break down these fibers. So they pass all the way through our gut um, or our GI tract and end up in our large intestine. And this is where a lot of these um, microbiota or these little microorganisms then feed and break down 
the fiber. So they actually have the enzymes that can break this down. We, we actually don't. So they help us in digesting our food. It's not the only thing they do. I will speak more about other benefits that they have when they do this. But in a nutshell, uh, that is how we feed our gut microbiota. Um, we feed it with fiber. Uh, and we get that only from plants. So we need to have um, a range of uh, and variety of plants in our diet in order to be able to feed all these microorganisms that are, um, many of them are going to be doing beneficial things for our health. When the microbiota break down um, the uh, the fibre, they produce a number of different products um, that can be beneficial to our health. Some of these products improve the cells that, um, that line the gut. So it actually, they literally help to keep our gut healthy. So the lining of, of our gut um, stays healthy with some of these products that they produce. And other products that they produce are reabsorbed back into the body and they're transported around the body in the bloodstream. So they can have an effect on a wide range of different areas of the body, not just the gut itself. So this is where the gut and gut health is so interesting and so important in that what goes on in our gut can affect the rest of our body. Um, so so this, is, this is a concept that... Um, you know, we need to sort of get our get our heads around that, you know, I guess the, the, the foods that we're eating and what we're doing to the gut health can have an effect on other parts, our, you know, our brain and all sorts of um, and other parts of our body. Now, the other thing that plants contain are phytochemicals. And phytochemicals are basically phyto, the word, the the term phyto means plant. So they're basically plant chemicals. They're different types of chemicals that are found in plants. Now, when I say the word chemicals, a lot of people have this negative connotation that, ooh, chemicals are a bad thing. Chemicals are everywhere. <laughs> they are part of pretty much every living um, thing. So uh, when we think about chemicals, we're often thinking about those man-made chemicals, um, but chemicals are actually everywhere, and there are there are natural chemicals that live in our body um, and that we produce, and also in plants. So phytochemicals are plant chemicals; they're just products in plants that um, give plants their colour and their flavour, their smell and their taste. Um, so they can include a range of different things. It can be antioxidants, for example, um, which protect cells from damage. They could be hormone regulators um, like phytoestrogens. And I think I may do another um, episode, pod a podcast episode on phytoestrogens and go into that into a bit more detail but basically what they do is they um, they can also protect our cells against infections and they support the immune system. They can also contain brain messengers um, that influence our nervous system. And so this is where what we're eating and the things that we find in plants interact with 
uh, our gut microbiota to then influence what gets reabsorbed and transported around the body. Okay, so what are the benefits then of improving our gut microbiome or our gut microbiota? What's what's in it for us? Why, why are we even talking about gut health? There's some really good evidence that our gut microbiota and the microbiome can help prevent and even treat uh, things like mental health and neurological conditions. So there's some really good research that's come out around using um, gut health and things that feed our gut and improve our gut for treating depression and anxiety, for, for example. We also know that the gut and the skin are really um, closely related. So the, the, our skin's full of different bacteria and um, microorganisms as well, similarly to our gut. And um, research has shown that if we have an imbalance in our gut microbiota, it can lead to inflammation. And when we think about skin, a lot of skin disorders such as eczema, acne, dermatitis, psoriasis, um, all have an inflammatory component. So there is um, some research that's showing that if we improve our gut health, we can then improve our skin health as well. So they're quite closely closely linked. The other thing that gut health and having improved gut health can do is improve our immune system. 70% of our immune cells live in the gut. So that's that's a huge percentage of, I guess, our immune system that is functioning in our gut. And these cells interact with our gut microbiome. So it makes sense that if our gut health is out of balance, that then that can adversely affect our, um, our immune system. I'm not going to go into too much detail um, into those because the one that I want to focus more on in today's episode is how improved gut health can influence our hormones. Now, as women in midlife, whether you're premenopausal or postmenopausal, we know that our hormones, particularly the female hormones, are, you know, they're changing. And we know that when we have changes in those hormones, and particularly when things like estrogen drop low, that we can have some symptoms that are associated with that. We also know that having lower estrogen can um, increase our risk of certain um, diseases, bone health, um, cardiovascular disease and things like that. So our gut can actually make hormones. I was blown away by this when when I I learned about it. Um, And it can also help to regulate our hormones. So it has a huge role to play in what's going on in terms of hormones. And it's not just the females, female hormones. There's actually a whole range of different hormones in the body that the gut has an influence on. So let's focus on estrogen because that's the one that I guess as midlife women, that's one of the hormones that we're most interested in. 
our gut microbiota produce an enzyme that can convert inactive estrogen into its active form. And then that estrogen can be reabsorbed into the body, into the bloodstream, and then circulated around the body. So some uh, research is now showing that our gut health can help keep our estrogen levels more balanced. And this may help reduce menopausal symptoms, which I find really, really fascinating. It's a really, really interesting um, area of research. Um, A large research study uh, recently showed that menopausal women who ate more fibre had a 19% reduction in hot flushes. So there is some evidence that's showing that women who are eating more fibre and eating more plant foods have less symptoms in terms of um, those who are, who are, who are in, in that menopause stage. Now, this research is new and emerging, so we can't confidently say that improving our gut health um, by eating, you know, a large variety of plants will reduce our menopausal symptoms. But it looks promising um, and I really look forward to looking into any future research that happens in this space. And I'll certainly um, be reporting back to all of you if any new research comes out um, that further supports this. So it's looking really promising. We just don't have enough research in this space just yet to be able to confidently say, if you look after your gut health, you will get less menopausal symptoms. We just can't say that just yet, but it's promising. The other thing I guess to um, think about is that even if they're not improving our menopausal symptoms, we have some really good evidence that's getting stronger by the minute that shows that having improved gut health um, helps in many other aspects of our health. So um, as I mentioned before, our mental health, our skin, and, and so on. So we're not just um, worrying about this in terms of our menopausal symptoms. It would be wonderful to be able to say that um, that that this is the case and we can be very confident in it. We just can't just yet. No reason not to um, look after your gut, though, of course. The other research, there's been some recent research uh, that has shown that the gut microbiota changes as women reach menopause. So there was th- there's been a study that looked at the types of gut microbiota. So they actually were able to genetically um, analyze the microorganisms in um, in women's gut, and we're able to um, measure the different types, so the the variety of the microbiota, and they compared premenopausal women to postmenopausal women, and what they found was that there appears to be a significant difference. So it appears that. Once we reach menopause, our gut microbiota changes and it seems to reduce in, um, in its variety and 
we know that a variety of microbiota is really important for overall health. So we don't know exactly why that happens. Um, We just know that there seems to be a drop or a change in the variety of our gut microbiota um, when we hit menopause. Whether we're able to change that um, and influence that postmenopausal, so through you know the things that we're eating or supplements or, or anything like that, is still unclear. This is pretty new research, but I will certainly be keeping an eye on any new developments in that space, and I'll certainly let you know um, if it looks as though uh, we're getting more positive research in this space. Um, but for now. We know there's a change. We know there's a difference. We don't necessarily know why or whether we can actually change that just yet. Okay, so let's after now that we've talked about gut gut health and um, all of the research and the benefits and what we know about it, let's now look at the practical steps. So it's wonderful to have all that information, but what can you actually do to improve your gut health? Number one, plant diversity is really important. So the number of different types of plants that we eat tends to increase the different types of gut microbiota. So there's a correlation between eating um, more plants, but also more variety of plants that then influences a more higher variety of microbiota in our gut. And a variety is really important because different different microbiota, different microorganisms can do different things. So we want to have a nice variety and not sort of, I guess, concentrated too much in um, in a certain type. We want, we want to have um, a lot of different types in our gut. So the more diverse our eating is, and particularly in terms of the the plants that we eat, the more diverse our gut microbiota will be. And there are recommendations that we, in order to do this, we aim for 30 different plants per week. And this includes herbs and spices. We'll get into that in a moment. But when I first heard that, I thought, whoa, 30 different plants. That sounds like a lot. <laughs> and, I, and, and I could imagine particularly for people who might have, um, you know, quite unvaried diets uh, that, you know, might stick to the same sorts of foods. 30 is probably a huge difference. Um, but I decided to start looking at what I was eating and thinking about what, how much variety do I have over the week? And, and I eat a whole range of different foods. Uh, I love food, um, but it certainly made me start thinking about, do I have, I might eat a lot of plants, um, but do I eat a lot of different plants? And so I started to really kind of take notice of that um, over a week to sort of see, and I don't necessarily think you need to sit there and count them all. You, you might like to do that just out of interest, but I'm not really into sort of recording and counting and things like that. But it's really, when you think of 30, you think, okay, I, I, I how do I do that? How do I make sure that I'm having 
uh, a big variety of these plant foods. Now, when we're talking about plant foods, what, what's actually included? So, and particularly when it comes to gut health, I mean, we can say that a sugary refined breakfast cereal is a plant food because it's made out of wheat or, or whatever. But we know that when it comes to gut health and what our gut microbiome like to feed on, we we want foods that are high in fiber and that are quite complex and have all of those lovely phytoestrogens and things like that, that the body, that, that, that they really like to feed on. And so when we talk about grains, we actually want more whole grains. So whole grains are less processed and they will contain a whole lot more fiber and they will contain more phytoestrogens and other things that our gut will love. Now, that's not to say that having some foods that are lower in fiber and are not whole grains is, is not a bad thing. I mean, I'm not about good and bad foods. All I'm doing is highlighting the fact that our gut does love whole grains and it loves to have a variety of these plant foods. So it's all about that sort of what can I add to improve or um, increase the variety in terms of what I'm eating rather than what do I need to take away or what's bad or not good for good for me. So whole grains are included, um, uh, fruits and vegetables, obviously, nuts and seeds, legumes, so all of your lentils and chickpeas and kidney beans and things like that, and herbs and spices because, I mean, herbs and spices come from plants. Oh, herbs are plants and spices come from plants, so they're included as well. So I'm going to just go through some tips that I have that uh, may help you achieve those 30 plants per week. So one of the things... I like to do a lot, uh, no matter what I'm talking about with food, is the add to principle, which is basically adding foods to your regular meals and snacks to increase diversity. So that's a really easy place to start. Don't change what you're eating. Keep, you know, eating what you have for breakfast or lunch or, or, or for dinner or your snacks. But think about adding to. What can I add that will increase my plant diversity for the week. So for example, maybe you might add mixed dried fruit and nuts to your cereal or your yogurt. Maybe you might add um, extra things to your salads, like some roast vegetables, some nuts and seeds, some herbs, some fruit or olives. Um, If you like to eat nuts, maybe get mixed nuts, um, same with seeds, mixed nuts and seeds, rather than just eating one or two different types of nuts. So that increases your plant variety. Try some different grains um, like quinoa, wild rice, red rice, couscous, barley. So rather than sticking to just regular, say, white rice or brown rice, um, or just pasta. Um, not um, Again, I'm saying have those things, but maybe try to mix it up a little and look at trying a few other grains that you can introduce throughout the week um, as well. Another tip is to try a variety of legumes. 
Um, so if maybe baked beans is something that you have quite regularly, or maybe you use lentils a lot in cooking, maybe you can swap it up and, um, try throughout the week, have those, but then also try, um, some other dried beans like black beans, kidney beans, uh, chickpeas, maybe split peas, uh, tofu, because tofu comes from a soybean, which is, is which is part of the, the legume um, category. So again, it's all about mixing it up and trying different varieties rather than sticking to the same one throughout the week. Breads and cereals, uh, so maybe trying a mixed grain version of um, like a, a cracker or a cereal, um, maybe mixing up your breads with a soy and linseed bread or a rye bread and sort of um, alternating. I'm not saying to buy all of these breads for the week, but what you might do is, you know, one time you might buy rye bread and then the next time you need bread, you might get a mixed grain bread and another time you might get soy and linseed bread. So just sort of mixing, mixing that up each time. Adding herbs and spices. So herbs and spices are an easy way to add variety to the types of plants that you're eating. So trying different varieties in different types of foods. If you mix up the cuisines, you will find that different cuisines tend to use different herbs and spices. So trying out some Indian recipes, some Chinese recipes, some Italian recipes. Um, So mixing that up and including the herbs and spices that are usually associated with those cuisines. And another um, tip is to just add more veg to any recipe that you are cooking. So if you find a recipe or one that you're already using at home, that's you know one that you've made up, always think about what more can I add to this? So if you're making a stir fry or a pasta or a casserole, how many different vegetables can I get into this meal? Um, I, you know, you might still have the same quantity of vegetable in that particular recipe, but you're varying it up by adding, say, six different vegetables rather than just two or three. So that's another tip that you can do just to increase variety over the day. Now, I hope that was helpful um, just to give you some ideas. I'd really be interested to know um, if you have any other ideas of things that you can do to increase the amount, the variety of plants that you're eating. Um, Please yeah, send me a DM or an email. I'd love to to hear if you try something different or if you try any of the um, the tips and ideas that I spoke about in today's episode. Now, before we finish up, there are a few notes that I'd like to just point out. Um, if you have any bowel disorders. So particularly if you have like irritable bowel syndrome or anything like that, you may need some extra support from a dietitian um, in, you know, introducing the strategies and the the, um, tips that I spoke about today. Um, For example, if you follow a a lower FODMAP diet for your irritable bowel disease, um, you you can still follow this. You can still increase your variety, but you may just be a little bit more careful in terms of those foods that you know that you're sensitive to. So just be aware that for some people, 
um, putting these recommendations into place may make their symptoms worse. So it's really important that you think about what your sensitivities are if you have a sensitive gut or you have any sort of um, uh, bowel diseases um, and seek some advice from a dietitian, for example, or, or maybe your um, your medical team um, about what might be best for you. So I just wanted to put that in there that for some people, some of these foods may cause flare-ups of their bowel issues. So it's important to get some advice about how exactly to do that so that doesn't happen. The other thing is, is if you currently have a fairly low fibre diet um, or, you know, you don't have a huge amount of variety in the types of plants that you're eating and you think, yay, this sounds amazing. I really want to improve my gut health. I'm going to start putting these things in place. I would recommend you go slow. <laughs> so gradually increase the variety and the amounts of these foods. Um, because if you go from not much to a lot, you might find that your bowel gets a little bit upset. So you might have um, some excess gas being produced and bloating. Um, you may have changes in your bowel, so you might get constipated. Or So it, it's important that if, you're, if you know that your variety and the amount of fibre that you eat is fairly on the low side, to gradually increase it. Do this slowly over a period of time. There's no rush. Um, and the other thing is to, is to drink plenty of water. Um, so one thing I didn't mention is um, when that fibre gets into our large bowel, yes, our gut microbi microbiota can digest that. But what it, uh, what it also does is it absorbs water and that helps to actually keep our bowels regular, um, which is also a very good thing in terms of our bowel health and just for us in general. But if you increase your, uh, your fibre intake quite quickly and you're not drinking enough fluids, you may find that your bowel will get a little bit upset and you may get constipated, for example. So just a word of um, caution that if you are making, you know, quite significant changes to your diet, um, to do it slowly and drink plenty of fluids, particularly water, um, and that should reduce your, um, you know, the, the burden on your on your bowel. Um, it may just just may not be used to um, all of this fibre and all these different foods. So just do it gradually. But if you're eating a fairly good variety in foods and a fairly good amount of fibre, then the strategies that I suggested you just. Yeah, go for it. Think about over the week. Look at what you're having without any, I don't necessarily mean that you should analyze what you're eating and um, have judgment about that. It's just a curiosity to look at what you're having and think, hmm, right, so I'm having this meal or I'm having this snack. I can see there's only like one or two plant foods. Could I possibly add something to this? Could I change this up a little bit? to give it more variety. So they're the sorts of things that you just become curious about over the week and start thinking about some of those tips that I mentioned today that you may like to start to introduce. Start with one or two and gradually go from there. 
Um, as with everything, I don't believe in just totally overhauling our diets overnight. I think it's just a process. It's something that you gradually will work on if this is something that interests you. So that's pretty much my um, episode today on gut health. There's certainly a whole heap more that we could talk about, but I um, I didn't want to make this episode really, really long. And there may, I would say there's most likely going to be future episodes that will come back and look at different aspects of gut health. Um, and particularly if we find any more research that comes out into the, into the future. But for today, this was just a, a bit of an introduction for you to understand what it's all about and what sorts of things we can do to improve our gut health and understanding why we want to do that in the first place. So I hope that's been helpful for you. And just remember, if you have any questions or if you have, if you need any support, please reach out and um, send me uh, a DM, check out my website, which I'll have in the show notes, um, or send me an email. Um, I'm more than happy to hear from you and to hear any questions that you might have. And if there's anything that you'd like to know more about um, in terms of gut health or any other things that are nutrition related for for women in um, menopause, please let me know. I'd be more than happy to hear what you're interested in and I can work on getting an episode out that um, focuses on what it is that you want to know. So, that's it for today. Um, I hope that's been helpful and I hope to see you, uh, well, I hope to hear from you and um, have you back in my, have me back in your ears um, sometime soon.